Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. That's what she said. And we're doing it. We're recording. We're recording this. It's going to be awesome. I am a pumped for this one. My guest today is a marketing and revenue executive, a speaker, a founder, a podcaster, entrepreneur, aka total badass, named one of the top 30 marketing tech experts to watch, founder of High Bar Media, host of the MarTalk podcast, vice president of global marketing at RFPIO, Angela Earl. Welcome to the show. Mission accomplished, Casey. I am blushing. (laughs) And all all of the the listeners can all see it on my face. This is not makeup. This is actual embarrassment. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, you're you're very welcome. You're very busy. You're getting stuff done. You're crushing it left and right. I'm glad to have you here. It's our marketing. It's only 24 hours in a day. You got to make use of them. Is it 24? Is that... Is that how, how many days I've been, you're I've been trying to convince the, the powers that be for 25 and I've failed for 41 years. Dang it. <laughs> but if we could, we would add an extra hour just to make it happen. Make then the maybe day. I'd sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you, yeah. Sleep on the 25th hour. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I told everyone. I wasn't kidding. I said total badass with all these accolades. This is how you, you get it done. You just don't sleep. So this is our marketing leadership series. Um, this is really, it's all about finding out what the truth is and i know that there's a myth you're about to smash and we actually kind of disagree a little bit so the theme of today's show hold on people might be a little debate and we kind of like threw it out there like maybe we'll debate this thing and then what did angela do she went and researched stuff so i'm about to get demolished <laughs> so if if you just want to listen just or watch just to hear me just get run over like a on a train track this is the show for you so don't worry we'll do. grab wine afterwards in true italian style we will for sure grab wine afterward. <laughs> All right, here you go. Thor's hammer. You got it? Got it. All right. Take Thor's hammer. Smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Begin this epic debate once and for all. Content does not have to be gated. That is the myth that I am choosing to bust today. What? Um, it's one that's resurfaced on LinkedIn, so it's top of mind. Um, and as you mentioned, we, we, I knew we disagreed, so I did a little bit of homework. Oh, no. Um, and I came across something from 1989, so that's where my research goes all the way back to. So in case you were wondering how thorough I was, uh, I did my decades of research. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? But so um, I know it's- your a- old data. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I know how provocative it is to think that content has to be gated and, you know, how are we going to track it and all these questions and anxiety that um, come up. But I really, I genuinely feel that uh, the gating of content is just, it's it's old thinking. Um, It's old thinking that if someone engages with your content, you should call them, right? And that's where it comes Mm. from this mindset of lead generation and sales. Um, and so I did, I was researching, um, I, you know, it's probably telling of my, of my nerdy ops background that what came up in my search was a workflow diagram published by HBR in 1989. Um, but, uh, but I found it really interesting. And, um, the most interesting part was how, how it wasn't that different than what sales and marketing teams, um, do today and how they operate today. 
Um, some of the language was different. And certainly we aren't selling catalogs or mailing catalogs in SAS today. Um, but, you know, otherwise it, it could have been made yesterday. Really? Interest, it's interesting about how time cha changes some things in marketing, but doesn't change other things. You know what? I'm going to put a circle around now. I want to come back to that because we have a debate around this gated content to attend to here. Um, we do. So it doesn't have to be gated. Well, I guess, you know, I would, you know, you mentioned something. You said, you know, if they engage my content, we should call them. That, I, I agree, that's terrible, right? So, um, so I think there's like a fine line. Uh, I don't want every time someone fills out a form or signs up for something um, that sales gets them. And you know what? Sales doesn't want that either. I for sure, even my own sales team at Treasure Impact is like, we don't want to call your random webinar leads, right? Or your random people got a PDF. White paper downloads. Paper yeah. downloads. Yeah, exactly. you don't want to call them. Sales doesn't want to call them. So if they don't want to call them, you either need to convince them that they want to call them or don't send them. Like that's really the two options, right? It's not continue to send them because sales will continue to ignore them. It's like figure out a solution. So one of the things we did is we, we sent less, we, we made them do a lot more before they get sent over. Um, but yeah, it, it can't be, a, it can't be that kind of reactionary B2C consumer type. You did, so you if did they engage with action. more content, then we should call them is the methodology that you're going after. Yes. Yes. More content, <laughs> more content. Um, I but, mean, you know, I, you know yeah. business just isn't what it was in 1989, you know, where we have these, this, these data points, we have digital footprints, we have technology that both from a buyer's perspective, you know, so many statistics exist. I think marketers are pretty convinced that most of the buyer's journey happens before we're even talking to them, right? Before they're on our website, before they're engaging with anything. Um, they can do their own research, they can equip themselves, and we can, in many ways, know when they're ready to buy and who's in the market. And so this notion that we have to put a gate around the content that we're creating um, is really just going back to that old mindset of, you know, why are you really gating it? If it's to send it to sales, let's do something better, right? Mm. And if, if it's to collect data, then there's systems and technology that exist today that when set up right, going back to the other myth, right, that we had talked right. about, um, can give you the information you're needing without getting in the way of that content journey. Well, I guess that's that's one of the de debate points too is, well, okay, so in, we can track like Pardot and other systems. You can track that that content was consumed, but you don't know who they are. So so now you know that they're ready to go, but now you can't contact them. So you're stuck. If so, content I, is, your goal, is your goal, you're stuck. But why not continue nurturing them on the platform that they engage the content with, right? Ryan, why mm -hmm. not continue to educate? Marketing Con is usually, it's sharing a position on a topic or it's information about products or making the case for your solution through things like case studies and customer stories. Um, if they aren't clicking, um, you know, raising a hand, if they aren't willing to say, call me, right? Then, then potentially, I'll just pause it out there that maybe we haven't done our job of convincing them just yet. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very important point. And I think, um, you know, one of the things I'll throw into the mix, because it, it really, I feel like we're on the same page. We want a, a, a customer experience that's going to educate, nurture them to the end goal, which is not necessarily our marketing stats, you know. Um, yeah. But one of the things that I often find is, is when I, we bring up teaching marketers about forms and using Pardot marketing automation is they're like, my CEO hates forms, right? Um, and then now, oftentimes what I'll say back to them is, 
well, I hate forms too, but the forms I hate are the really long ones, you know, like the 12 fields. I'm not going to fill that out. I actually had one recently that asked me, how much do I make every year? And I was like, who are you? It was required. None of yours. <laughs> right? Was that one of the options? None of your business. <laughs> yeah. So you might put, I put a billion. I put like the billion dollar answer. Nice. Like I'm a Congratulations. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. When um, are we taking your yacht out? Well, I was going to fly you up here, you know, for the podcast, you know, my private plane, the KC1. Next time. Yeah, next time. Next time. Uh, show number two, we'll have you fly up to my Valhalla castle in northern New Hampshire. <laughs> done. Done. Yeah, perfect. Cliff overlooking Lake Winnipesaukee. It'd be fantastic. Absolutely. I'm bringing the wine. Yeah, good. You bring the wine and none of that yellow tail. We got, we got to upscale this no. thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, the whole, the thought was like, let's make it, let's make them good forms. Let's make them they're so tiny and using technology. You can make it so that if you've already told me your name, I'll never ask you your name again. If you've already told you me your email, I'll pre-populate your email for you. So if we already know some things about, maybe just like your email is pre-populated in one question. Or, and I certainly don't ask phone number right away. Maybe they come second. It's like dating. You know, it's like, well, let's, uh, let's ask you this and let's ask you your favorite. Are you dog person? You cat person? And then and eventually it's like, well, it's your phone number, you know, but that comes later. So I, yeah. is that okay? The Does dating that... analogies are, are, are running rampant in marketing. That is true. Are we they? love those dating and relationship fans. Well, you know, fine. Um, what you're reminding me of, when I first started at RFPIO, I had a conversation with our uh, head of digital um, about forms, funny enough. I told you it's such a, a topic that just keeps coming up, right? Um, but I said, if we're going to put a barrier between our content and our, and our audience, who we want to engage with it, ask them something I can't get a hold of, right? I can buy your phone number. Oh, I love that. You know, I mean, nobody loves to think about it, but all of your information is readily available. Uh, phone number, email, address, a lot of times through Google searches and everything else, I can even get your home address, right? Like it's scary to think how much personal information is out there on people. Um, but ask something I can't find. I can't get off of you know, one of these data services. What's your favorite color, right? What makes you tick? What are you passionate about? Um, you know, what brought you here today? Your motivations. Um, if we're going to put a gate, let's make it something that we can't get otherwise. And then let's use that data to be hyper relevant or hyper personalized. That's a great point. I've yet to hear that concept of like, look, let's be clear. We can buy all this data and you buy enough of it. Not the sexy part of marketing, right? Yeah. Nobody likes to think that, but, um, but it's yeah. It's like, oh, really? True. You got their title. Guess what? I, I did too. I got 9,000 of them. <laughs> okay. Who can get it faster? Right, right. So <laughs> yeah. don't ask dumb questions. I, I'm, it goes back to like, that form can either be a massive turnoff. My, my thought is just enough and get right out of the way. But, but you're right. It is a barrier. And then you got to make the, make the call. I think some content though, it's like a barter, you know? How much is this worth to you? This may save your life. Let's do a little barter yeah. here. Other content, just, just out there, you know, to kind of pull you in. So I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting conversation to have, really. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Quality of content matters. If you're cranking out a ton of really low, you know, quick, easy content, then, mm. you know, gates are going to be more annoying from a customer experience. If you're putting tons of resources into research and benchmarks and everything else, and it's not something that, I can get from your competitor who didn't gate it, then maybe, you know, you can have that barter and that exchange. Um, but right. even still, what are, 
what are you going to do with it is the biggest question I think marketers forget to ask, right? Is it call them like we talked about from the 1989 workflow, right? Is it if they engage, call, call them, if they engage enough, call them, or are you going to be smart about it? And are you going to allow them to continue that journey in a way that makes sense, whether they're buy ready or not? What, what, what is the answer you, you think goes there? I mean, you can see it from what we're doing at RFPIO. We, I, I'm not a believer in gates. So are the only forms on our site are, you know, would you like to see the product? Would you like to demo the product? People who get called by our SDRs and BDRs are well aware that that's going to happen because they've asked for it to happen. And beyond that, I'm a big believer that content is meant to be engaged with. It's created to be consumed. And, um, and so, yeah, we don't ask, we don't get in the way. Just put it out there. Hmm. Make it, I mean, what's the point, right? But maybe the point is to lure them in. Like lure and I, I mean, I can't say never. Never say never. That's what they say, right? The moment I say I'm never getting content, you're going to see me get content. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. I was going to say, um, do you I have won't any say forms never. Can we go to your um, site? <laughs> you can go to the site, and the only forms you'll see are demo requests. Um, really? So but, the, you know, the one, the contact us type thing. That's interesting. Yeah, today that is our reality. And you know, maybe in six months we have a really awesome asset that we've invested in, and um, you know, there's some purpose. Maybe I'm going to ask your favorite color, Casey. I don't know that about you. You know, um, totally. <laughs> I think it's blue and orange. Can I say two? T together. Yes. It's the contrast. Your, your favorite color is blue orange. Blue orange. <laughs> I need that in the drop down menu, right? Like red, I'll make orange, sure if we do have that question, I will have blue orange in honor of blue you. Blue orange. Um, you know, hey, you're talking the talk, right? Um, that's it, cool. And I think people should check this out. RFPIO.com. Um, great example. And you've got, you've got the chat integrated on the side and you've got content out there. You want to like, talk to us. We want to talk to you, but yeah. we're not going to make it hard or surprising. Or Customer annoying. stories, you know, podcasts. And so all these things are just out, out there for people to consume. It's out there. Yep. For, for Google to index as well. Agreed. Yep. And you can't really gate podcasts anyways. So that makes sense. Yeah. You, 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 know, you drive a, a hard bargain or make a great point here about, <laughs> about gating. Um, it's interesting. Uh, now, if you were to gate one thing, because other than the main thing, which is like, call me, um, what about like subscribing to, do people, do you have like a newsletter? Oh, you do. Subscribe to our we blog. We do, yeah. You can subscribe to the blog, your typical RSS feed. Um, content I might gate, that's an interesting question. Um, I suppose if we had a recorded product demonstration or feature demonstration, we might, we might gate that because if you want to see the product, then, you know, hopefully there's an exchange we can have afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't do that today. That's not t the type of content we have on our site, but that would be, that would be a type of content that I, that I could very easily get behind, you know, putting a form in front of um, that way we can also make sure that the right people are viewing it and the wrong people aren't right. Right. Keep that competition out. Right. And you've got all, you've got all the right. It, so do you, do you need nurturing then too? Do you have like nurture campaigns set up behind the scenes? To... We nurture through digital. So, you know, when I think of nurturing, I think of it's just a continuation from that point of engagement in your journey. So we nurture through LinkedIn. We nurture through your, your typical remarketing. Um, gotcha. But we don't nurture really via email, right? We don't do back, 
batch and blast emails are not a thing of our, our marketing team. Um, it's funny in our big team meeting yesterday, uh, I looked and pulled, we have 636 projects going on right now in marketing. And I can with confidence tell you not one single one has to do with email nurture. <laughs> really? Really? What, what, tell me, like, why is that? What, what's the, and there's a strategy behind this. And you, you said we nurture through digital, through the, the, other, the other ways that people can go out there and get it. Yeah, I mean, so people can subscribe. It's not that we're not emailing people, right? When we have a new blog or a new asset, people can opt to receive emails from yeah. us and those definitely go out. Um, the, the strategy behind it really, I mean, people are want to engage on the channels they want to engage. So if you want me mm -hmm. in your inbox, you're going to subscribe and you're going to tell me that. If you want to engage with content on LinkedIn, right? Me personally, that's where I get a lot of my content is, is on LinkedIn. Then your best bet is to find me there. Right. If you if you start spamming me in my inbox, um, the first thing I'm going to do is unsubscribe. And then when you want to get a hold of me, I'm going to have unsubscribed. Right. And right. you and can't. And you can't. Um, and so maybe it's saving that opportunity for the right moment. You know, when we want to reach out to them, that way we we haven't offended them. We've engaged them and been a helpful resource on the channels they want to consume on. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a refreshing outlook. I mean, I, you know, obviously I do a lot of talking about email. I actually just got off a webinar on how to do better email. Um, but it, it's, it's, Interesting. it's a great point that it doesn't always have to be, you know, one particular kind of method of doing it. Now I will, I would wonder, um, and, and this gives people freedom to control the process themselves. What would you say to the fact that, I mean, sales is sales for a reason because somebody's got to ask for the business. Someone's got to sort of like, push the thing along and what if they're lazy or if they've forgotten how do we remind them to come back do you, you mentioned retargeting so is that is that the way that you remind them you stay top of mind yeah so the what i'm describing is their marketing journey right and yeah. that's all the way through pipeline creation for us our sdrs okay. live in marketing um so it's, it's truthfully all the way until pipeline and in that time we nurture through retargeting and and different um digital channels that way after you have a deal I'm sure our sales team is emailing people, right? I'm under no yeah, guise yeah. that our, our entire sales process is not without email. I'm sure they yeah. are. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, for the, for the data people that would say, you know, well, you know, how are you going to prove it? Um, marketing at RFPIO generates 90% of our pipeline. Really? So it, what we're doing is working for us. I don't know if it will work for everybody and I can't, I can't say, you know, I'm not in charge of everybody's strategy, but our strategy is definitely working. See, that's what I love about marketing is, is that, you know, it could be my idea, your idea, whose idea, anyone's idea, but like, try it, you know, try it, see what happens and test. And, and to your point, if it's working, cool. You know, it like doesn't have yeah. to be some sort of like ideological thing. It's like, this is working for us. So I don't know, do it if you want. And that's what these podcasts yeah. are really cool. Try too. it for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know. Now, 636 projects seems like a lot of projects. There's a lot of subtasks and stuff in there, okay. yeah. But, um, but yeah, but yeah we've, and we've got busy a lot team. going on. And it is a busy team. Email nurturing. It's so cool. None of it is not. Not, a, not one single bit of it. <laughs> Do you have marketing Maybe I'll automation? have to start a project just to tell you. Right. Do you have marketing automation or any of those tools like that? We do. Okay. Yeah, we have a pretty, a pretty solid stack. We use Pardot. We use Salesforce. We use Salesloft. Chili Piper. Gong. What's that? Chili Piper? Yeah. 
Chili Piper is a scheduling tool that integrates um, both with our uh, round robin and um, like our SDRs use it to schedule demos and it'll do the round robins for us automatically. Oh, wow. Um, and in, a, in, in short time here, I'm not going to give you a timeline and I'm not going to tell you why because there's secrets brewing at RFPIO. Oh, you've got to have your own um, secrets for sure. In the not too distant future, it will actually be something that certain folks, when they come to our uh, requested demo form, will actually be able to schedule their own demos. So mm. we'll have a, a targeted list of accounts that we really want to talk to. And if they come, we're going to accelerate their journey by um, having a Chili Piper scheduling uh, little bit on the form for them. That sounds like some ABM wizardry. Have you like fully <laughs> embraced all that is ABM? We are, yeah, ABM is definitely a strategy we have at play. Now, what, what I like about this conversation so far is that you're not one to like mince words or, or throw, like use random marketing <laughs> bullshit. So like, what's your take on ABM? Is it? I think ABM is a great strategy for, for certain companies. Um, I think it's a strategy. I don't think it's a way of life. Right? Okay. I don't think it's, you know, ABM or die. Um, I don't think it's ABM, all ABM or, or you know, or none. Um, it is one strategy we, we deploy to reach very specific accounts that we believe would be great beneficiaries of our solution. Um, other than that, you know, we also do uh, your more, you know, casting of a net marketing, if you will, right? Where we have ICPs and we go yeah. after them, the more traditional marketing route. That makes sense. I, it, I love how you said that it's, it's not like a way of life. Some people like get the <laughs> ABM tattoos and it's like, guys, you, you know, you still have to, it's like business as usual. You don't just stop doing everything. Sales is like, where are the leads yeah. at? Like, no, no, no. We're doing a couple different things at the same time. Going from that point. That's, that yeah. makes sense. It's funny. I've seen an emergence though. One of the effects, I, mean, I think one of the questions you're going to ask me, I might be getting ahead of us here, but um, the pandemic has had is people are desperate for something that will work, right? They're, they're searching for, you know, in this environment, what in my strategy repertoire can I pull out and apply that will work in this environment? Because it's so new and just, so different. So ABM has had, you know, another, another time in the spotlight. And um, I don't know, I think it has far more to do with your buy, your buy life cycle, your prospects, you know, what works for them. And then how, how is your marketing set up, right? For eight, for us, ABM works really well. We have, um, you know, we have a very defined ICP. We know who our buyer is. We know what they want, that we know what they want to know and what they need to know. And we have content that they care about. And so it's, it's pretty easy to kind of stitch together mm -hmm. uh, a nice ABM play. But um, there's a lot of those pieces that if, if not, not there, um, you're going to try it and you're going to be, you know, the first person to say, well, IBM doesn't work well. It, it was it ABM? <laughs> right? was, it the was it the strategy? And it, it's not for everybody. Um, sure. But I also think that there's probably a fair amount of times that it, the, the strategy wasn't the constant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think ICP is a big deal. Who is my ideal customer? People it's don't amazing know to that. me how many people have not, don't know that exactly. Right? Yeah. Any tips for them? You show up to a debate, you got to do some research. <laughs> right, right. I mean, how, how do you get to that? And how do you get to an, an ICP you can stand by? Yeah. Um, I mean, like most marketing, can't carve it into stone. I think ICP is something you need to continually revisit and check and refresh. Um, it will get stale like anything else. Um, but if you're starting at zero, you know, take a look at who has bought from you and what you know about those people. Where, where did you first meet them? 
what demographic and firmographic information do you know? What do you know about their you know, motivations and, and why they came to you and what they were looking for? Um, and then, you know, and then just test, right? I'm also a big believer in don't try and figure out every little detail and get to perfection. It will be the barrier to action. Um, and so, you know, learn what you can and start moving and then, and then refine and optimize as you go. And as you learn more back to that form question, maybe that's where you ask smart questions, right? Get mm -hmm. the demographic firmographic details that you can, and then learn as you go, ask smart questions, use those to layer in, right? Create better and better experiences. Um, and over time, I think you'd have a really strong ICP. Have you seen any signals? I mean, I like the idea of just, just go for it, but then be thinking about ways that you can modify and change it, not set in stone. What kind of signals could I be looking for? Maybe this isn't a question you can answer, but like, how, how do you refine that? Or like, should you be on the lookout for certain kind of feedback? Or have you, have you ever, you know, have you pivoted the ICP and &E and anything you can kind of share with us around that? Just enough, just enough of a data nerd that I think sometimes I annoy my team. So I can kind of answer <laughs> that. <laughs> um, you know, I think, Sometimes I will take just one example and I'll say, let's follow this all the way back, right? And let's learn everything we can about this one deal. This was a great deal. It turned out exactly like we want. The outcome mm. was perfect. Now can we trace that back and understand very specifically, not all of our data, not everybody's journey, you know, just this one. And what can we learn from what happened there, right? And what, what might apply to other companies like them or other buyers like them? Huh. I love that. Yeah. I know I say That's I love small. that sometimes too much, but I literally love that. <laughs> I've, the idea of just tracing it back and giving yourself permission to say, this sounds great. And it's like, this deal was large. This customer has stayed with us. They're happy. We're happy serving them. We're all happy. Where the hell did this come from? <laughs> Let's go see exactly more. And like what, what made them magic too. Sometimes I feel like we just default to like industry. Like, oh, yep. we'll get more of this industry. I don't know if that's too simple. Exactly. I mean, there's probably some lessons that can be aggregated, right? There yeah. are some things that all finance companies have in common. Um, but I think when we want to be really personalized, when we want to uncover some of those, you know, I, I hate the term magic bullets, but if you're looking for that type of needle in a haystack, you're not going to find it with broad strokes, right? You've got to look at those really great experiences and say, okay, what was it about this that stands out? And maybe it's nothing. And I think that's the permission, right? You have to be okay with the fact you might trace it all the way back and go, yep, looks pretty normal. <laughs> right. Um, uh, that, that might be the, the health check, right? And other times you're going to trace it back and, and you might find one piece of information that you're like, wow, I didn't realize that. And I didn't realize that um, people were asking that question or that that person got involved at that play in the game or, hey, you know what? We've never talked to this person in an organization and with this customer, they're pretty heavily involved. Um, you know, maybe there's a new persona there for us. Right. Right. Okay. Great. You are just a tome of knowledge. <laughs> I mean, after that introduction, you set the bar on the ceiling. I, so I've I been did. jumping ever since. I did. And, <laughs> and thankfully you've risen to the occasion. Um, so, you know, there's one other thing we were, we were chatting about. And I love your take on it, the idea of, you know, now that you're just smashing stuff and you, it sounds like you don't care what people are saying, like, let's just say the truth. Let's talk about technology. 
Yeah, people buy this stuff all the time, imagining yeah. it's gonna like magically solve their problems, and it doesn't. Speaking of silver bullets, right? Yeah, yeah. technology is very rarely a silver bullet. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think people buy technology to solve problems, and I, I know that not, I'm probably going to get a call from my CEO right after saying this, but sure. technology does not by itself solve problems. Um, you have to do the work before you make the purchase, and doing the work before even making the decision to which purchase you're going to make, right? To have a strategy and have a process in place, that's how you decide what software you even need and what software is going to align really well. Um, I spent many years um, helping people untangle uh, custom and hacked messes of tech stacks. And I think I can with confidence say 90 plus percent of the time they bought because they knew somebody or they mm -hmm. bought because they, they believed it was going to be, um, you know, this magical thing. I, well, I don't have a sales process, so I'll buy Salesforce. Well, Salesforce isn't a sales process. It's sales technology. Right unless you have a process that it can right. help support, it's not going to do what you need it to do. And then you're going to be frustrated and you're going to blame the tool and you're going to jump to a competitor and two years is going to go by and you're going to have the same problem. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time. Uh, you're right. It has to, you have to have that strategy first. What, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do with it? Um, fit into the process. And then it's like, put it last, but I think, you know, the, the tech, all the marketers selling tech, like, we all kind of like are putting this out there, but I think, I don't know. I don't know. Can we, can we fix that? How do we, how do, can you fix that trend or is it just people kind of make these mistakes until they learn from them? Cause I've done it. I mean, you could fix it. There's, I would say there's maybe an ROI that needs to be calculated on fixing <laughs> it. Right. I mean, we're here to sell software. Um, so how do we monetize teaching someone to do their homework first? Um, you know, certainly you'd see it in the advocacy, you'd see it in the retention, mm. you know, um, of those customers, because you'd have way more happy customers if they did their homework up front. Um, maybe in smarter sales questions, right? Do you have a sales process? Walk me through what your process is today to help buyers at least be thinking about it, right? Perhaps through onboarding processes, we could help um, put some things through. When we, when I had an agency, we um, coined the phrase business process review, BPRs, right? It was mm. our onboarding step to say most of our customers haven't documented their process. And if they did, it was, you know, years ago when it's old and antiquated. So let's start there. Start by educating us with what your, your workflows look like within your teams and what those handoff points look like. Um, selfishly, it was why we were successful, right? It allowed mm. us to do a good job. Um, and so I guess, you know, maybe that's the answer. Maybe software companies need to have a little bit of that consulting arm within their onboarding process. Yeah. Yeah. That, and if you don't, and you will learn, I bought a PPC tool that I thought would just manage all of our AdWords and it doesn't, it just <laughs> tells you how your AdWords is doing but it doesn't make yeah, the campaign. Which is probably not, not doing very great if you didn't have a good strategy going right. into it, right? Right. It doesn't solve, doesn't, doesn't know why your ads are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell you how to fix it. We, we ended up hiring a PPC expert to use the software to do the ad campaign. And it's like, oh, okay. Now it works. Now it works. Um, where do you see all this going? Where do, you, uh, do you see anything coming around the bend in the future? Are you also an Oracle? 
of of the future. Um, where are buyers changing? I mean, we talked about the beginning. There, some of them are staying the same. Things are staying the same, but things, some things are different. What do you see changing around? Yeah, um, you know, I'm not an oracle of the future. I'm as as uh, <laughs> dependent on. <laughs> I will on, decide that. <laughs> on time as everybody else. Um, you know, but where you know, my opinion, where I think we're going. Yeah. Um, I I think we're starting to see an awareness. I don't know if we can blame it on the pandemic. I don't know if we can blame it on just, you know, decades of doing the same thing over and over and finally realizing that the bruise on our head is uh, not going to go away unless we stop banging it. Um, but, you know, we're starting to get smarter about technology purchases. People are starting to ask the right questions. They are realizing that there's this connection between the people, the process, and the technology. Um, they're looking for more simple solutions and more. Um, you know, we've, the pendulum used to be in, in big multi-solution platforms and we swung to all of these point solutions and you saw Scott Brinker's landscape blow up mm -hmm. to where you couldn't even read it anymore. And now that pendulum is starting to land somewhere in the middle where we, we're being smart about it. We're not looking for one solution to do everything, but we do want to consolidate solutions for different teams or different work streams. Um, and so I think, you know, 2021 hopefully is a year that marketing gets a little wiser we actually can use all of this amazing data and tech that we've that we've created um, in a way to really be personal and really, you know, talk to the people we want to talk to, but stop wasting our time and others' times with gated content to go full circle and you know, technology that is just automating a bad process. And when you said that people are getting smarter in their purchases, you're what you're doing and your style of marketing is the proof of that. You're not putting, you know, the kid gloves on. You're not walking them through like they're babies. You're saying, here's all the content. We'll give you some subtle reminders out there in the ethos, but we're not going to bludgeon you to death with email and for, and then, you know, force you to hop on these calls, like be a big kid and make the right decision. Here's all the information you need. I I think buyers want that though. I think yeah. you know, the best software feels more like a partnership than a purchase, right? So my job is with RFPIO, right? I want a purchase of RFPIO to feel like you just got a, a really strong partner in managing your response process. And if we accomplish that, then we've accomplished what I've set out to do. I don't want it to be a purchase. I don't want it to just be this transaction of, oh, I bought a tool, right? Mm-hmm. That the transaction that, well, you know, like we like the simplicity and the, the beautiful friction-free process of B2C these days, but we don't want to be treated like a number. We don't want to be treated like a, a cog on a machine factory, you know? Well, in SaaS too, I mean, then you get into this hamster wheel of more, 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 right? Yeah. If, um, in fact, I just sent the stat to uh, a really good friend of mine who's doing some research on it, but um, I think it was something like 70% of SaaS customers are currently considering a switch to the competition. Like that's crazy. 70%. Wow. Wait, 70? Um, yeah, it was, in fact, I, I just sent it to her here. I'll read it. It was 70% of buyers report they are strongly considering ditching their preferred vendors for a, comp for a competitor. That was 360 magazine published that. Um, and so that should be sobering to all of us in SaaS, right? Uh, that yeah. nearly three out of four of our customers are looking to leave, 
right? So we aren't, it doesn't feel like a partnership if they're ready to bail. You don't bail on a partner. A partner is right. in it with you, right? You're, right? you're up to the waist together. Um, they've bought a solution. They've checked a box. They've had a transaction if they're that willing to go. It's not a partnership. What it, What is it if it's not a partnership? It's a transaction. I mean, it's just a transaction. It's a purchase, right? I mean, if... I mean, it's probably very similar in the B2B and B2C world. If I go buy something at the store and I just walk into Best Buy and I take the thing home, I'm going to have no emotion about returning it when I'm not pleased with it. Oh, yeah. Um, but if I, you know, if I get it from a, a good friend of mine, right, and there's relationship there and there's emotion there, and by taking it back, I'm saying, you know, I know I said this was going to work for me, but it's not going to. Back to that to relationship model, when you have to break up with someone, there's emotion, right? Even if you're happy, if it, even if it's the right decision, you're not happy about it usually. Um, and so partnerships aren't that easily broken, not 70% of the time. Jeez. It, it ties into like being commoditized as well, right? Like I will go to whatever gas station. I don't usually shop the prices, but if I can see the sign, I don't really care what brand of unleaded exactly. gasoline. Like I'll go to you. I'll go to you and, and to get into that. And I once heard a quote, I don't know who, who said it, but how they, how they find you is also how they'll leave you. You know, if they found oh, you. Interesting. Yeah. If they found you and, and you were a, commodity sale that's exactly how they'll leave you if they found you as you know in a partnership and that you taught them strategy and all these things it'll be someone else teaching them the same kind of things that brings them away you know yeah i mean everything we're talking about really is about that customer experience right i right. mean it, whether it's a gated piece of content or you know the the nurture and the email strategy or you know or this notion of like is, is it a transaction? Did they find you through a transactional method and they're going to leave you the same way? Um, I think if we, if we do a good job and we focus on what that customer experience is from their very first interaction with us through content, mm -hmm. um, all the way through their customer experience and how we take care of them as part of our fold, um, you know, then I think we are a partnership. Then I think we've achieved that partnership status. Right. Right. And, and you know, partnership, family, those things aren't, you know, those are relationships that are strong. You got to keep them up though. You, it, they, they kind of, they can fade. They can. All relationships take work, right? right? Whether it's a business relationship, customer to company, whether it's friendships, whether it's business colleagues, they all take work, right? Think about the yeah. pandemic. We've all been isolated for seven months. The people we haven't talked to, you feel distant from, right? Yeah. But those that matter the most, you're texting and you're calling and you're dealing with another hour on Zoom just to hear their voice and see their face. For sure. Yeah, for sure. You're doing a happy hour on Zoom just yeah. for some kind of connection or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've got all these experiences. My next question really is like, who are you? Who are you? How did you become this? the sage of all things marketing. Can you take me back to like little Angie days? What was it like? Where'd you grow up? Did you always know you're going to be in marketing? I did not. I wasn't always in marketing. Um, yeah. I mean, little Angie was not that different from, from grown up Angie. I, um, funny, you, you should ask that. I came across a letter recently for the first time at my age, you don't find things in your family for the first time very often. Right. Um, but my a cousin got a hold of me through ancestry.com. 
ironically, and shared a letter that my Nana had wrote to her Aunt Marion um, following my great-grandmother's passing. She described me in that letter in the same way that a lot of my, I think, my business colleagues today would describe me. You know, she, except for the fact that she did call me precocious, which I'm not really sure as a grown-up you can be precocious. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. I ask lots of questions. Um, I'm rarely willing to accept anything at face value, right? <laughs> I feel like there's <laughs> always more. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, was I always, you know, destined for marketing? No, I had an entire career as an executive assistant before I went into marketing. Really? Um, the, the pervasive quality though is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nurturer and I'm a caregiver, right? And so I think that shows up in my personal life. It shows up in my friendships, shows up in my work relationships. Um, you can't get away from being an empath, I suppose. Mm. Wow. So, so what, okay. So take me back. So school, you went to school. I did Co go to school. Yes. Not online school either. We went in a classroom. Right. The <laughs> okay. And so what did, what did you study? You studied, I don't know. What did you study? What did I study? International business. Okay. Um, I, I have always had a mind for business. I will say that. I grew up um, with, a, my, my grandmother raised me. So I grew up with a working parent. Um, mm. She ran personnel, which for those young people, that's HR. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I would go to work with her. I learned how to type on a typewriter at a very uh, young age when I couldn't even really reach the typewriter. She would boost me up so that I could reach it and, and bang away on the keys. Was it, um, was it the regular or electric? Uh, regular at first we did get upgraded to the electric one with the erase function which was really cool as a little Whoa. kid so it had um, a built-in erase strip on it yeah you when you hit backspace it would use almost like white out in the shape of the key um it was pretty modern technology of the time <laughs> i had to like usually use like white out or you put the little strip in there and have it like punch over top of it wow yeah and when you use the white out, you had to blow because the key yes. would smudge the white out otherwise yeah that yeah. was that was phase one then we got really cool typewriters um, <laughs> but i spent time walking like the assembly line it was a an engineering company and manufacturing and so i was really exposed to business and how things worked and i maybe that's where my curiosity stems from right is just seeing kind of the inside um and then yeah fortunate enough to be an EA for a long time, got to see what it was like at the executive level and hear the hard conversations happening and help them prepare for the board meeting. And I think that wet my appetite a little bit for wanting more and more. And here I am. Well, I, I love that, you know, it's like it, the, the basic beginnings, you know, you, you can do anything from anywhere, from any position. Um, and sometimes it's, it's those positions that nobody even looks at that is where you're learning all the things because you're connected to all the parts and pieces and then you can yeah. grow from there. Yeah. Man, Agreed. now you're, now you're the boss. Now you, you're the <laughs> not, marketer. I'm not the ultimate boss. I have a boss. Sure. I have an awesome boss. We all have bosses. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you. I'm ready. I may have a time machine in my backyard here in New Hampshire. And okay. after COVID, let you use it. It's basically in the backyard covered by a tarp, you know, squirrels on it and everything. Um, if you can use this time machine, we'll, we'll clear it off. You can use a time machine and go back in time, but it's a specific time that it goes to. 
Um, it goes to a couple days after you graduate, a couple days after you, you're out of school and you're getting started with your, your career. If you could go back and talk to yourself at that particular point in time, what kind of advice would you give yourself? I would tell myself to pay more attention to the people in the journey than the journey itself. Hmm. I know that's probably pretty heavy for marketing podcasts. No, bring but, on the heaviness. Um, that's what everyone's one of the, for. you know, one of the, I would say, consequences of being very curious and very eager and um, is that I was also very assertive, right? I, I came up in a time where while women had, you know, definitely a place in the workplace. We were still finding our place in the workplace and it wasn't always equal and it wasn't always easy. Um, and so you get this grit about you and you have to work a little bit harder than everybody else. And um, emotion didn't used to belong in the workplace, right? It was, mm, a, right. you strive to be unemotional. You know, you didn't want to be the emotional woman in the room. Um, and I think that put a mindset in me that as it became acceptable, you, you still weren't ready to recognize it and i there was an edginess and a probably a too assertiveness to young ganji um that if i had softened and and recognized the people and think taken time to thank the people along the way um you know would have got would have gone a little bit would have gone a long way yeah you know the it's the, the people we encounter that we don't even expect that end up being little mini springboards for us at different places and so true when you're in it you don't even necessarily recognize what's happening until after and you're like wow i could be somewhere completely different if i hadn't had that opportunity that mentoring that coaching yeah. or whatever it might be yeah and i mean courtesy of linkedin i've been able to go back and thank a few of those people and oh, let nice. them know the impact they had too right which is awesome i'm grateful for that but um nothing like saying thank you in the moment absolutely i need i need to go thank tim Tim really helped me in college. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go thank him after this podcast <laughs> and people listening, who should you go thank? Go thank someone because of this. You need to thank some of the some people from your career or somewhere, somehow. It's a great reminder to, to go back and, and, and pay more attention to the people than the journey. Boom. There it is. Boom. Grazie. Prego. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> this is fun. It's fun. So it was fun. It was really fun. And we didn't do any Italian. So, so you're learning Italian. Is that what's going on? Yeah. So early on in the pandemic and in the lockdown, um, I sort of made this mental decision that if we were going to go through this, I was going to come out the other end better than I went in. Mm. <laughs> um, and so I have been um, more dedicated to writing my Peloton than ever before. So hopefully from a health perspective, I come out a little healthier than I went in. Um, and as a skill set, I really wanted to learn Italian. I am Italian. Um, I have traced my family roots uh, all the way back to Calabria, Italy. Um, so one of the first places I want to travel when we're allowed to get on airplanes and go places again is, is going to be back to where my family, you know, yeah. set, set sail for uh, the U.S. Um, and, and I thought, you know, if you're going to wind up in Italy, you might as well know some Italian. Oh, yes. Yes. And, you know, some, you know, enough to be, even be polite, but if you can take it a little bit further and a little bit further, yeah, it just kind of enriches the whole experience. So which, um, which tools have you been trying? Which uh, different apps and whatnot? Books? There is a podcast called Coffee Break Italian that I have been listening to. And I blocked time on my calendar three days a week 
because if it's not on my calendar, it almost never happens. Agreed. Um, <laughs> I definitely uh, need to put it there. So I block time three times a week to listen to, I think it's a 45 minute podcast and it wow. takes you very conversationally. So it'll start with the basics of hello and greetings and kind of build on what um, a conversation would be like. So it's not taking you through the alphabet and conjugation and, um, you know, the way that, you know, I, I learned French growing up in school. So it's, it's not the way that uh, we learned French in high school. It's, it's far more of a, um, maybe a traveler's version of, of, you know, language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. You, you want kind of like the, the slangy local, you don't want to sound like a textbook. Hello. Exactly. I am saying hello to you. Like, okay, weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that the Italians are really um, welcoming if you give it a try. So True. hopefully, even if I sound like a robot, they'll be, they'll be embracing and loving. I think most people, I, I know France gets a bad rap for this being like, oh, it's terrible French. But, uh, but I never got that when I was in France. I was like, oh, they're actually really nice. Mostly because I don't know yeah, any same. French other than bonjour, au revoir, and merci, and... <laughs> Uh, right. So just not to be polite, but right. But like nothing else. So I wasn't like I was trying to be an imposter, but I think they all appreciated it. Um, but yeah, different, different countries. I think everyone really appreciates it. Um, even if you do sound a little goofy. Um, yeah, I Agreed. actually was in a, I was in a taxi or Uber back in the day when we had Ubers. Remember those things? These Ubers you could get in I a do, car. I do, yeah. You travel around the <laughs> on world. On your phone. I think there was just an app. You just oh, said, I need app. to go somewhere. Back in the day when we could get out of our houses. Um, and, and the driver, it was in New York City, and the driver, I think was Chinese. Yeah, no, for sure was Chinese. Had a sign, a placard saying like, hi, don't really speak good English. Can't really tell you anything. Um, but hi, nice to meet you. Here's my name. Yeah, you know, I'm Chinese or whatever. And so in the, I love languages. So in the car, I was like, okay, let's brush up on our Chinese real quick. Let's brush up on our Chinese. So I was, and, and I, I was like, I was like, ni hao, like something, something, something. And driver's like, what? So it was like, it kind of made a day. And just, yeah, I'm sure it was terrible. So I you and I, yeah, we definitely need to grab, grab other times. So I did the same exact thing did on the you? way to the Burbank airport once. Um, I don't remember what language the driver spoke and I don't think they had a sign. We tried to communicate and he, he knew enough English to tell me that he didn't know English. So I asked sure. him what language he spoke and I was using Google translate on my phone to try and give him directions at the airport. So I was trying to tell him where to drop me off, wow. <laughs> but I was trying to do it in his native language and it was, it could have been a comedy routine. So it wasn't as kind and considerate as your ex example, but, um, <laughs> similar google yeah, translate though that's a great idea now did you have it talking or did you talk did you try to say what you read so it has the it has a listening function so he would talk in his native tongue and it would listen and then i would but... read what he had just said and then i would i would talk in english and then i would and then it would say it back to him did it work his, so it was sort of the translator between us it worked enough yeah it worked enough wow a little clunky but it yeah it got it got the job done <laughs> wow. You know, um, sometimes uh, th this is cool. It sounds like we can, uh, if we both go out to dinner or some event or something, we'll just, uh, and the like waiters, like different countries, like, oh, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. We got this. Oh my this. God, it'd be so fun. <laughs> okay, you order. I'll say thank you. You got this word. I got this word. Um, I, one of my yeah. favorite experiences was I used to 
to fly a lot. You know, back then we could fly back in the day. Ew. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was a, it was a business trip to Japan and I used to love doing like a Pimsler audio tape on the flight over and okay. Japanese I could pick up German. I could not, if I ever need to fall asleep, wow. putting on Pimsler, Pimsler German, German words are so long. I just, <laughs> it knocked me out. I woke up and I was in like Frankfurt. Like what happened? I don't know. Pimsler, but the, the Japanese, Japanese, one, Japanese in, in what I really liked, it was, there was this phrase, uh, something like Iyo Tenki Desne, which is like slang for like, it's nice out, you know, it's a nice day out, you know? And, um, and I like that. I like the fact that they said, this is slang for, I was like, Oh cool. This is like the people's language, not textbook. Yeah. And, um, I remember, you know, we sort of dropped that, but we're, I'm in the offices. We're training all day. We go for lunch. And I, I wanted to say that phrase, but I forgot it, forgot it. We get outside, we're walking to lunch. I look up, Sky above Tokyo is beautiful, blue with white clouds. It was a beautiful day. And then my brain goes, hey, Click. here's that word you were looking for earlier. So I looked to my nice. counterpart and I was like, Iyo tenki desne. And the response was like, so desne. Like, yes, it is, it is. Yeah. Um, and the biggest compliment he paid me was, did you study Japanese in college? Did you study it in school? Oh, wow. And I was like, no, the flight over. <laughs> no, but I'm going to sit a little well, taller right now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, I was like all awesome. glowing from that. It's fun connecting with people. And I guess the, it really is. The harder it is, the better. Yeah, I mean, it's putting an effort in. Not much different yeah. than marketing, right? We want to know that someone effort. tried and then they're not just making us another generic person. Which I think counts in marketing. It counts in life. It counts in life. relationships. Putting in the effort. A little bit, right? <laughs> getting the a data right. A goes a long way. Getting the... <laughs> Yeah, getting the content right, just like not the signal saying, like, you don't really matter. You're a number. We don't really care about you. You're just in the, in the machine now. It's like, no, we, we do care about you. Yeah. I want you to know that. Yeah. Man. How, so how, how's it going? You've been, that's pretty impressive. You've been listening to that for how long now? Um, well, six months. I, Holy cow. I've been listening maybe for six months. I, the confidence is not there yet. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. So it'll come. I'm sure. Nothing like going over there and using it for, to practice it. And... Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, so I studied French for eight years. We don't. And I, wow. um, and I still struggle to, you know, somebody will say, well, say something. And I'm like, ah, but I went to Paris for three days and it just all sort of flowed. Right. And I just sort of got around and there was a couple of moments or, you know, I asked um, questions that weren't quite right or, you know, what have you. But for the most part, I got by for the three days without a, you know, pretty much any English at all. So I think, yeah, immersion, once you're there and you need it, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, it, it's okay to kind of, it's better to fumble through this than to not try at all. Yeah. Um, so maybe the Italian will happen when I when I land in I think so. Naples. I think so. <laughs> had had you been to France before or Paris? I had not. That was my first time. Wait, when was that? Yeah. Gosh, my first trip to Paris. I want to say. Was How many times have you been now? Have you been a seven couple times? years ago? I've only been yeah. I've been only two or three times. I want to say the first time was like seven years ago. Oh jeez. Yes, I'm, I'm ballparking. Um, 
I've just been really lucky to, so my husband works for Nike. We end up in Amsterdam for work for him, or we'd end up there for me. I, uh, I worked for a company once we had an office in Bucharest, Romania. So Amsterdam oh. was sort of the go between and France is such an easy train ride. You know, you just hop on and then you take the high speed train down to Paris. And so you're wow. there in a matter of a few hours and yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I just went to Paris recently, like last year and I was kind okay. of worried cause you hear all these things, you know, like freedom fries and yeah. all this, like they're mean and no, I, I immediately got it. I was like, okay, it's culture is all about wine and good food and experience and like life and the journey yeah. and the people around you. It on is it. very relaxed. Yeah. It's yeah, not very relaxed, very accepting. Yeah, exactly. It's less about the deal. It's, it's like let's in going out to a business lunch in France, like sign me up. That, that was yes, not cheap Fridays. No, it was not. And not a lot of business gets discussed, right? I mean, it's actually relationship right. building done the right way. The right way. Yeah. And then it's a real serious conversation to figure out what wine you're going to order. Like, you know, people are like, oh, let's get water. It's a work thing. No, 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 no. That's, but, you know, the guy, they're like, oh, no, no. Let's have so-and-so order the wine. Where's he from? Bordeaux. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> from a place named after a wine. Let's have him, let's yeah. have him pick the wine. They pick, you know, the wines and, ah. Uh, it was great. I'm I'm like a new fan. I think because the contrast of like what I was expecting was like, I don't know. I want to go to like what I experienced was like so dramatic. It's really like number one on my list now, which is wild. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Really, really Did you see the Eiffel Tower at night, the way it sparkles? Yes. We had a place right Isn't that nearby, fun? like like a block okay. away and the sparkling. I Eiffel didn't Tower. know that it did that before I saw it. Oh, really? And I was like, what is that? Like, I, for whatever reason, I just had no idea. And so when I, we were out for a walk and I saw it and I went, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. It really is. Really is. And um, what's interesting is they actually, you can't videotape it. You can't record it. Yeah, yeah. So you, you can't, you, apparently it's a trademarked image of the sparkling Eiffel Tower. If you take a photo of it, the French government comes after you with like a, that's our copyright. Oh my gosh. Wow. Which is maybe why you've never seen it or heard of it. And I hadn't really. Yeah. Um, even in movies, they don't, you can't show it sparkling or, or you get, or you have to pay, wow. pay money. Um, <laughs> but you know what I found? It's way bigger in real life. The Eiffel Tower is huge. It's it is huge. Enormous. And in a pictures, yeah. you're like, oh, the cute little iron tower. No, no, no. This thing is gigantic like i don't even know how to describe how big it is yeah well there's a whole park underneath it yeah right? under those arches there's a whole park so yeah and there's restaurants like 30 percent the way up with ice cream yep it's crazy <laughs> you could walk up did you walk up or take the elevator i took the elevator we went all the way to the top it was really windy it was quite a blustery day so we didn't yeah. stay long yeah and it's uh, just crazy so i'm a big fan and we could go again all the time. I mean, the museums. I've only been to Europe in November, which is really the most fascinating thing to me because it's not on purpose. Right. <laughs> but I've only ever been anywhere in Europe in the month of November. <laughs> it's got to be cold though, right? Like it's not. It's always cold. It's always cold and rainy. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> or snowy. So I've seen all the ice rinks. I've seen all of the Christmas bazaars. Um, I would be over the moon after all of this pandemic to do some summer traveling though i think definitely 
I think that's, that's got to be high on the list for sure. Well, hey, where are some of the places people can connect with you? Yeah, the best place, like I said, I consume content on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So, okay. you know, I think it's forward slash Angela and Earl. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle's Jai Ho, which means be victorious. little like personal that. mantra there. Um, but yeah, those are the two best channels, LinkedIn, awesome. Twitter. And it's RFPIO is that is your site that we were mentioning. Go check out this model of marketing behavior done the right way. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Casey. I appreciate Absolutely. it. And what about the podcast? Do you want to do a shout out for that? You think you might pick that up? I know it was the first season, I think. Do you think you might bring that yeah, back? Yeah, we did season one. Uh, we skipped season two for the pandemic. Um, I think we are going to be bringing it back in a, in a delayed season two. So MarTalk podcast, okay. a place where marketers come to, to share cool things, much like here. Yeah. Yeah, no, you should totally get back into it. You, you're blast to talk to i love how you just slay myths left and right and no room for bs <laughs> I, I mean that's that's how i act as well it's too so. short yeah right well, well we're gonna link to that podcast for sure so if you if you do anything people can go subscribe to it on spotify have it have it ready so if you start releasing stuff they're ready to go um well All thank right. you so Sounds much for good. coming on here this has been a blast yeah ditto don't be a stranger. We'll have to have you come back on in wintertime or something. Maybe in November when you're in Europe again. Yeah, and, uh, we'll do it, do it from Paris. Yeah, uh, there we go. Yeah, we'll get in the private jet, right? The $8 billion, the billion-dollar private jet. Yeah. Paris. Like, Your Falcon any... will take us to Paris. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How do you know? That's, that's the jet for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, fantastic. Well, right. for those people listening, if you learned something, and I know you did because I have two pages of notes front and back over here. <laughs> then share this episode with someone, be a thought leader, tag myself, tag Angela, like put a shout out out there, but put what you learned, your takeaways on there, share it with everyone else, be a thought leader. And with that, thank you again so much for being on here. It was a blast. It was. Thanks for having me, Casey. Absolutely. For those people listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 